Welcome to Filmmaking Sucks Podcast. Now, this is where I usually say that we tell you about all the mistakes you can make when making a film, but this week is a special week. Actually, it's a special month. It's Women in Horror Month. Now, you may be asking, Lindsay, what is Women in Horror Month? Well, let me tell you. Women in Horror Month is an international grassroots initiative which encourages supporters to learn about and showcase the underrepresented work of women in the horror industries whether they are on the screen, behind the scenes, or contributing in their other various artistic ways. It is clear that women love, appreciate, and contribute to the horror genre. Women in Horror Month is a celebration of these contributions to horror, with articles, events, and social media posts featuring women in the horror industry. The ultimate goal is getting works by and featuring women to reach a wider audience. This is the ninth Women in Horror Month, so you can follow the movement by searching hashtag WIHM9. So what's this got to do with this week's episode? Well, this week, as part of the Women in Horror Initiative, the Filmmaking Sucks podcast is presenting the Women in Horror panel from the recent Macabre Fair Film Festival. The panel consists of Masquerade Pictures conspirator Miss Angie Hansen, a director and actress in her own right a special effects artist and director, Shiva Rodriguez, actress, producer, and special effects artist, Lowry Foley, and Jill Passan, who you know from the cinematography panel we posted last week. And of course, lastly, yours truly. It's also moderated expertly by Manny. I'm going to avoid getting on my soapbox and spare you any of my ranting. Instead, I'm just gonna let these amazing women tell you what it's like to be a woman in the horror industry in their own words. Hello everybody, uh, my name is Manny, I am the co-owner of Max Grave Pictures and the co-host of the Filmmaking Sucks podcast, which we are recording this for as well. Welcome to the Women in Horror panel. Give the ladies a round of applause. So, um, this festival, obviously run by Elsie, is really likes to push women in horror. Uh, women have always had a really big part of horror films, even though it's kind of downplayed. But uh, we have the final girl trope, which has been in horror films as long as you can remember. Uh, we have the strong-willed mother, who protects. The last seen but just as impactful female murderess, which we all want to see more of. Yes. <laughs> yep. And possibly my favorite, the coming-of-age story. We'll get to that, definitely. That addresses uh, puberty, adolescence, sexual relationships, things of the sort. So, it's only until recently that these contributions of women to women in horror and film in general are being celebrated and generally given the attention that they deserve. The ladies on our panel today all have had a part in bringing at least one of those, if not more of those tropes, to life. So, please ladies, one at a time, introduce yourselves. I'm Angie Hansen. What do you do? Oh, I, that, that's me. Um, I'm an actor, uh, director, producer. Um, I'm helping Elsie with this whole festival. Hi, I'm Lindsay Serrano. I am the other co-owner and co-host of podcast, Filmmaking Sucks podcast. And uh, I'm also Masquerade Pictures. Uh, I'm a writer, director, producer, and first AD. I'm Jill Poisson. I'm a cinematographer, director, writer, uh, producer, probably like five other jobs. Gap of Grip, Best Boy. Yeah. Throw it on there. Uh, for horror films, I'm mostly a cinematographer. I'm Lowry Foley. I am an actor, producer, and effects artist with, I'm going to say it correctly because I keep getting teased about mispronouncing the name of my company that I have with Shiva. Rogue Chimera Films. <laughs> I think once you got it 
right. Extra points for getting it right. <laughs> Gold star. I'm <laughs> um, Shiva Rodriguez. I started out as a special effects artist, uh, screenwriter, and I pretend to be a director once in a while. <laughs> okay. uh, so first things first. Um, we want to leave this really open. So I'm going to make it very like, much like a forum. So if anybody has any questions while the ladies are speaking, raise your hand and we'll get to you. Okay? Uh, so, first thing. Yeah, I lost my place already. <laughs> uh, we give it the first. Um, first and foremost, any of you can answer, and you've all been asked this a hundred times. Why horror films? She hates this. <laughs> We've heard this in our panels before. They always, ask, they always ask the women, why horror? Why would women want to do horror films? Because men do horror, you know? But I'm not asking in the same way why. But why is horror specific to your voice? What is it that horror lends to what you have to say in your films? Because they're interesting. They're deep. There's, there's more depth to it. It's not superficial. There's meat, there's excitement, and I don't think it has anything to do with being a man or a woman. It's just they're interesting, fascinating films, and they're fascinating stories to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as like someone who likes things, you get to play with colors and play with shadows and a lot more than you do, like... I can be like, oh, we're going to have a red wall over there and an orange wall over there, and we're going to have this huge thing of shadow, and like in a regular drama or something like that, it's not going to be an option. So it's kind of cool that I get to experiment with looks that maybe I'm going to bring on something else in horror because it's completely you can get kind incidental. of outlandish with it. It doesn't have to be so oh, yeah, absolutely. straightforward. You yeah. can really express it. Because you're mostly, mostly cinematographer. Yeah. So you're very big on the look and doing that. Yeah. That fun. I love doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I like getting my hands dirty, personally. There you Just go. With the special effects, you get to do all kinds of crazy stuff that you don't get when you do dramas or comedies or, you know, romantic tragedies. Um, I like crea creating the creatures. I like doing the, you know, hey, what's an interesting way I can kill off somebody today? You know, I have a body count every year. <laughs> I like, it's fun. You know, I had more fun on horses than I have on any other type of uh, genre set. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I think it's a combination of theater and film, and I have a background in theater, so it's like, it's not over the top, but it's on the line. Um, so, and fear is such a awesome primal emotion that um, that you get to experience when you're doing this, and same with blood. Like as an actor. Throw the blood. Cover me in blood. <laughs> I'm all about it. I want to take a red bath after I'm done. You know, like absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. And if it, it's it, it's it, don't be afraid of it. You know, if there's mm -hmm. it's not enough blood ever. Yeah, I mean, like everybody said, I think it's it, you know my usual answer is that it encompasses everything. You know, in a horror film, you get drama, you get comedy, you get everything on the spectrum in a horror movie. And you also have that freedom of pushing it to one level to another. You can take it to that extreme. And you can take it a little over the top. And you can make it a little supernatural. And it kind of allows you a bigger world to work in. Because you can add supernatural elements. You can bring people back from the dead. You, I mean, there's literally any possibility mm -hmm. is, is, is possible in horror. So the expanse. The yeah. ability to do anything in general. I mean, I think also as women, I think it's really great for us. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not really a man or a woman thing. It's, but it's as a woman, I think that we are more in touch with emotions and the spectrum of emotions. So you can take a lot of complex emotions that I don't think men really deal as much in. Where it's yeah. like it doesn't have to be straight terror and it doesn't have to be straight <laughs> anger true. or straight gore. You know, there's shades of gray and I think that women, we, we understand the shades a bit more. And mm -hmm. in something that Manny mentioned about the whole idea of coming of age and the love yeah. story, you can tell a love story in a horror movie. Yeah. And it can be a very powerful element, but it's not just a love story and it's not just a horror, it's a blend. Yeah. 
there's so much blending and shaping you can do in a horror film. I mean, especially when you're playing with love stories. I mean, love stories, I mean, people do crazy things for a love. Oh, yeah. you yes, know? they do. <laughs> and it's not just a man-woman love. I mean, mother and child love we mm -hmm. saw in The Babadook. Um, you know, there's so And I think women, were, were, because we are just more nurturing, we raised be more nurturing, or that's our, our role in this society to be nurturing. Um, I think that we understand and express love in a way that, you know, men don't always. And I think that we, as the caretakers and the mothers and the bringers and givers of life, have an element of love that men just don't quite understand. There's, we feel it to a higher degree almost. I mean, especially when you're playing with coming of age where your hormones are completely out of whack and you're feeling things all over this, the extreme. And you, you know, are willing to do anything. anything for what you want and yes. th there's that too it's the idea of we can create characters who are willing to go to these extremes yes. and give them a venue to go to those extremes in mm -hmm. we can take more risks with it yeah absolutely you can also tell stories that you wouldn't be able to tell in a drama like the great thing about genres where it's horror and sci-fi and fantasy, you can take something that's going on right now. Like, Get Out is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. just tell this visceral story about something incredibly relevant, and because it's wrapped in this genre, people are going to go, okay, I'm going to watch that, I'm going to sit through that where that kind of story. They're not necessarily going to sit through mm -hmm. as a straight drama because they're going to find it too offensive. It, it allows this wall that makes the audience comfortable and then also allows them to potentially think. And I think it builds yeah. a strong relationship. Like, you know, with Get Out, I mean, because you go on this journey with him and he's facing such extreme adversity and extreme, like, consequences yeah. of the world, then you get a deeper journey with a character, I think. Mm -hmm. I like that answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> really long-winded. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody want to add to that? Okay. So this part is, this is the upsetting part fact that everybody needs to know. Of the top 1,100 grossing films from 2007 to 2017, 4.3% of them were directed by women. Meaning for every female director hired, there were 22 male directors. Okay? Out of these films, there were 665 unique directors amongst 1,100 films meaning many of them directed more than one. Of, the six, of them, the 665, 622 were men, 43 women. Okay? Even at this festival, and I don't mean to shit on the festival at all, but even at this, which has how many films playing? 84. 84, 85 films. Yeah. Only 15 of them are directed by women. You've all produced or directed films in the past. Moving forward in the new industry with everything that's been going on lately, is having more women on your set and in your films a conscious decision on your part? Has it been? Obviously it will be. Um, it's, I would say it's never been a conscious decision, but I also like working with, like, like, I like working with women. So I work with a lot of women. Like, um, I, I would say now... Maybe I would think about, like, oh, and whenever I've directed, if I'm not shooting the movie myself, every cinematographer I've had has been a guy. Mm -hmm. That'll probably change. Yeah. I will probably at least once just look at women to be my cinematographer or my editor or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, got lucky with working with people that, well, like as many women on set as possible, that's awesome. Mm. Um, not all filmmakers are like that. I've literally been rejected because of women. I credit myself as Jay Poisson instead of Jill yeah. Poisson. Um, yeah. J.K. Rowling does the same thing. Yeah, the line literally was, I submitted to it for a short film, and within five minutes of me sending out the email, I got an email back, and he was like, sweetheart, you're not what we're looking for. Whoa. You said sweetheart? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I called him sugar tits. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't like the response back. I was like, if you looked at my reel of work, you wouldn't know I was a woman. Yeah. I work on horror movies. I work on movies that have nudity. I work on this. And, you know, you're not going to be able to tell my sex <laughs> by the work that I do. Um, and so that was the point where I was like, all right, well, I have to at least get through the door. And the only way I can do that is 
mask who I am. Just the J. Yeah, yeah. a lot of writers do that, yeah. and it's unfortunate that you have to. Yeah. But yeah, J.K. Rowling, she believes that the only reason she was published in the first place is because it was J.K. Rather than yeah. her name. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a long thing in science fiction books as well. It's, it's, the authors are female and you can't tell. It's sad that we still have to do that. I mean, yeah. they were doing that in the early 1900s. I mean, and Mary Shelley, I think she published under a different name, was that? I'm not sure. Her first name so. is also a British first name. So I've yeah. had a lot of people being like, oh, I didn't realize you were a girl. You know what? I'm sorry. Not I don't mind. Like, I was wow. like, before, oh, I don't need anything that sparkles once they realized I was a girl. I'm like, people eat their faces off. There's nothing There's nothing in sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I have tits and I'm a female, you're yes. suddenly, oh, I thought it was a British male first name. And then suddenly... Which is really sick in this industry. I have a question. Yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned that so few women at this festival have mm -hmm. submitted films. No, no, it's first, submitted. You know, accepted. Um, accepted. Accepted. Yes. Yeah. But I kind of would be interested to see how many mm -hmm. were actually submitted yeah. because I'm sure the numbers, there would be a great disparity mm -hmm. between the male yeah. and yeah. the female. Yeah. There is. Um, the su submissions. And that brings me to my question, which is, um, um, I'm really glad to see that you are creators, and I love Scream Queens, but when it comes to women in horror, I really like to see this end of it. Um, but how much harder is it for you ladies, and how do you get the funding? Because I'm sure people go, pat, you've had meetings where you've been patted on the head. Or asked out instead. Um, yeah. Um, getting the money is always the hard part. Um, so all the like small projects I've done, either self-funded or I've done small Indiegogos, uh, I do have a, a horror script that I've been trying to get. I wrote in 2008 for a horror film contest that ended up being kind of just a publicity stunt for a director in Rhode Island. Um, and so that was, I got into the top, the, the ten finalists and they were to make ten movies and they made one and it wasn't even somebody who submitted, um, and they and they're actually like in the meetings because they first had had us do a pitch then they had us write a synopsis then they had us write the full screenplay and submit it and when they did the pitch got into the next round when they headed to the synopsis I at that point. I had a separate writing name that I did my regular name. If I had known I was going to make a J instead of a <laughs> Jill Poison, I would have just kept them together. So I was writing under TJ Poison, which was a high school uh, um, nickname. And they thought they had gotten their token woman in the group. So when we all first met to get the instructions for the synopsis, uh, I'm sorry, outline, um, they were like, oh, they're like TJ Poison. And I raised my hand. They were like, oh, Maze, that, that was yours? And I'm like, Yes. So I think they just thought I was with somebody. <laughs> um, the girl. Yeah. So yeah, because they had one other woman there that had she wrote a, a, a screenplay about like, about like a some kind of horror event with karaoke and so like that, which actually sounded really interesting. But that ended up flopping, and then a couple of years later, I tried again. We there was a potential thing for investors, and that ended up being not really a thing, and that's kind of taken a back burner because I, I have a couple of scripts where I want to get them done. That's one of them, and. It's already hard enough to get money, but I think it's harder when you're a woman because it's already harder to be in this industry as a woman as it is. Getting people to take you seriously and not to just look at you and say, oh, that's nice that you have this little project. Oh, yeah. And you start, or they, or they talk to you, they find out that you're a filmmaker, they find out that you're in the film industry. People will start to engage with you, talk to you. Well, what kind of films do you make? And the minute you say horror... Yeah. The number of people that have immediately steered the conversation over into something else when when you tell when you tell them oh I make horror films it's oh that's a that's a nice little hobby and what do you what do you do for real kind of thing so yeah I've I've encountered that a great deal just the whole oh that's nice. I think I have a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I'm a producer normally. Um, this is actually the first thing I've written and directed since film school. Um, and as a producer, I'm usually the one going out and finding money and happy and collecting. So a lot of the times people are used to using, seeing my face as the one that kind of does all the fundraising and everything. 
Um, but the thing I found now is that, you know, clearly my husband and I are a team and we create everything together and we've created everything together since the very beginning. And now with this me stepping into directing and writing, um, it's sort of like, oh, you're doing this now? How much is he really doing versus, you know, what is he doing for your life? And um, I've experienced before, I actually did a web series with another friend of ours, um, and a, a male, the co-director. And, I mean, it was a web series, it was eight episodes, I did four, he did four. Um, we all, the three of us wrote it together, and I've actually been to film festivals where they've left my name off of all of the press. Really? Oh my God. And they literally only wanted to talk to him. And after that, we started submitting with my name first and his name second. And we stopped getting into film festivals. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that I want to say, well, they're not accepting because it's a woman that's getting the number one billing. But at the end of the day, it gets to the point where it's like we were getting into film festivals, we were winning awards, and all of a sudden we switched the order of the director's names and it just stopped. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I've had similar, not so much as a director. I think a lot of people might think I'm a Hindu male or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> I might get off easy there. But um, running as, a, as an effects supervisor, I usually run a team. And, like, you know, Ducky's on my team. He does a lot of my stunt work and whatnot. I have another male uh, makeup artist that I use occasionally. But it's kind of weird. I've got, like, 50-50 male-female ratio on mine because I go for the best people. Not, I don't necessarily pick them by gender. But we'll be on a set, and if it's somebody who's never worked with us before and we just got on there, nine times out of ten, they will go up to Ducky or they'll go up to Brad or somebody and talk to them. When are we going to do this? And they will just take great pleasure to smile and point at my direction and go, you need to talk to her. We go through the amazing. same thing. Yeah, uh, it's speaking of which, the, the part that I came in on, yeah. we were talking about adding more of the nurturing and the emotional moment. Yeah. Uh, that's me. Thank you. She's the one who writes the... <laughs> I'm the one. Yeah, he's the sensitive side of our writing team. It works. It works. I mean, um, but yeah, no, I mean, me and him, we've had, you know, we've been on set, and I'm literally a producer. I'm literally the one who's who's writing checks at the end of the day. So all these actors, and I'm like, here's your paycheck for the day. Oh, you need, you know, travel reimbursement. Here you go. I'm literally in charge of all of this. But still, if they have a question, they're going to come to him, and they're going to ask him first. And I'm literally sitting there, I have a clipboard and I have a production Bible that has all of the answers to all of anything you could possibly ask about this film is in my hands. That and they'll be like, secretary. <laughs> and they'll go to him and they'll be like, are you sure that this is the tie? Because I asked Lindsay and he's like, well, what did Lindsay say? And he, Well, Lindsay said that this is the tie. He's like, well, then Lindsay and I went through this. That's the tie. Like, she has the production Bible. Let her pull it up and prove it to you. But... You know, and it does. They they have a problem sometimes taking answers from me and not him. There is a tendency. There is a tendency on, on sets that people will gravitate to the nearest available male figure in a supervisory role before they'll come to a woman. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what position that woman is in, be it the director, be it the producer. Mm -hmm or be it the effects supervisor, they go to the nearest man and re-ask the question. Yep. I've never had that problem. Yeah. I say, well, she signs your check, ask her. <laughs> I'm the director, she's the producer. Her name is on that check at the end of the day, listen to her. I've never had that problem as a director, but it might be because of the machete. Not to look mean, but because we shoot in the woods in Florida, and anybody familiar with Florida knows it's Australia light. Uh -huh. Everything can kill you, so yeah. you bring machete with me whenever we shoot in the woods. <laughs> I say I've been lucky, and I haven't really dealt with with like uh, people um, walking up to somebody else. Like you know, as a photographer, I'm a department head. I've never had like a PA walk over to somebody else and be like, "So what am I supposed to do?" It's, they get sent to me, and yeah. I, like, pick that up, put that down. Heather? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I was going to say, it kind of reiterated what you said, but I've been on sets where the female will say something, and they will. They'll go check with someone else to make sure, to verify that was what's, what's happening. Okay. And, like, I've been in pre-production meetings where someone will say something, associate producer or whatever, and literally no one will listen in a way until a guy repeats it right after, and then they're engaged. Yeah. And it's literally like you kind of look, like the girls will just kind of do like that eye contact, like, did that just happen? 
Like they don't really listen until someone repeats it. That's not. I've yeah, heard. I was to a Colombian necktie once. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a recent shoot. I was I was doing the effects on the shoot, and the first AD was also a woman. We had an actor who had to come over to me to get his makeup done, and I went to the trailer, said, "Can you come on over to makeup so I can get you ready to go on set?" Fifteen minutes later, he hasn't appeared. First AD. She says, well, let me go. I'll go get him. I'll make him. I'll get him over here. She goes over to get him. He still doesn't come. Had to get one of the male, not even, a, not even the director, it was a male crew member to go over and tell him to come to makeup. Wow. It's almost like you want to give some homeless then guy finally, five bucks. Then he finally, then he go over there and see if they'll listen to him instead. You know? and it, was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> He's the homeless man that did a good job. It's like, should you listen to I, I pray it's John Lincoln yeah. that we said, here's five bucks. Tell us what you got. See if they listen to you. I've heard it in writing, in writing rooms that that's called, uh, that like female writers, where they have male writers who are like trying to be supportive and allies, that they'll repeat like the, the concept or idea that they have for like the, the episode, and they call it a dick phone. <laughs> where it, it, it translates. It translates. Yeah. It's like it's just reiterating the fact that, oh, hey, you're only going to listen to me. Yeah. You only want to listen to me, so. But it also says Don't something listen. in a very grand scheme. If we're still, it's 2018, and we're still at a time where a woman said something, so now somebody has to go check with another dude to find to out make if sure the woman has any IQ to speak. Like, that's unacceptable behavior. Do we have, do we have your permission to speak? Right. I, and I think that's also part of the major issue. We're stuck in a society where, you know, women can't do hard. They don't understand the gruesomeness, whatever the BS they want to give us. Because maybe, in a way, they're almost afraid. Oh, God, what if they do it better and they show us up? It's almost like an undercurrent of some weird egocentric self-esteem weakness it's like oh my god i can't have a woman deal with this i need another man to say it's okay and i don't understand that especially at this point in our society but it is okay no no, no. <laughs> they just all have to lose their jaw for like six months they'll learn okay. no let them bleed let them bleed once a month right <laughs> that's why we don't trust you <laughs> It must be that time of the month. Let me go check and make sure she knows what she's talking oh. about. Oh. Right. Oh. Oh. I had that once. I told the guy, you, you know what? You got your comma and you're about to lose everything if you can't <laughs> get the attitude. It's not pretty quick. I feel like that's one of the reasons, though, that we want to make our own films. Yes. Is because we get to choose who's around us. Yeah. And and who we respect and who is the best at what they do, for whether male or female. And, I mean... As a director, I don't have those issues because I pick people that are awesome to be on my team. And actors, if they're not pulling their weight or they suck, they're out. There's a million actors. That's not an issue, you know? Like, we want to make movies where we're supported and loved and we have an awesome product. So, And I, I think know. that's why being on a set with... A strong female presence. You mentioned not having trouble on your sets because you carry the machete. I'm going to actually disagree with you a little bit there because the first film, the first film I worked on with you was was when you were directing, and it was not just the machete. It was the group of people that you pulled together. And every film we've worked on together has not had any issues when it's been a group that we have pulled together and hand-chosen. Yeah. It's, the issues happen when we go out to work on other, other projects uh -huh. where we've been hired on. That's when you start seeing the attitudes and the issues and the personalities. That's I think not one green husband that's about true, to disagree with you. Oh, my screen husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, screen husband. Hi, screen wife. Um, that's not 100% true, though, because you do know that she lost a significant portion of her crew before mm -hmm. shooting that film. Yeah, that was before you came on. she is silly woman child who not know how to make film. Yeah, yeah this she is lost. This but you got rid of them. They were well, gone. No, this is actually a true story. Um, actually a true story. It was my first time directing ever. And, of course, I had to tackle a werewolf movie because I'm insane. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the greatest film in the world, but... Uh, it was my first time directing, and I'd written it, and at the time, uh, Ducky, who is, you know, my partner, he 
wasn't involved with it at the time, so I didn't have a strong male figure behind me. It was just little old me, and I was pulling a crew together before we, and it was, I guess, about three days before we are supposed to start auditioning for cast, and the goddamn UPM comes up to me, and he's like, you need a director more than you need a UPM. What? Wow. Yeah. The guy wanted my job. Yeah. Wow. And it's like, okay, you didn't raise the money to do this. And he was trying to tell me that I didn't know what I was doing. I, the whole time I'd been doing his job, he'd been sitting around, twiddling around here, twiddling around here. So I had all the everything he was supposed to do. I'd already had in a book. I ended up turning to the guy who was uh, just a PA who had had a lot of um, who had had a lot of experience. And I just turned to him. I was like, "Dude, do you want to be at UPM? Here, I've done all the work for you because Dickhead there has, and you know, the guy who just left with half the crew." So we ended up pulling a new crew in, and it went out great. And the last day of the shoot, uh, the, my new and improved UPM was driving <laughs> me back from the set, and he just turned to me, and he was like, I gotta tell you, I was a little bit worried at first because of the way everybody was talking, you know, the first crew, but you're awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Yeah. So he went on to work with me some more. Awesome. And I haven't heard anything from the other guy, like ever. He disappeared off like, the face nope. of the earth. I wonder what happened. We yeah. wonder what happened to him. <laughs> well, so, I did clean um, the So we have more male killers. <laughs> think about it. Women don't kill as many. That's not true. As we just men. get away. We with get away them. with it. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say. There's there's fewer there's fewer female killers because locked up in prison. We, <laughs> well, it's interesting. Sorry. I was actually listening to a podcast, and what they're finding now is that. Men get caught a lot more often because they tell people. Yeah. They can't keep it to themselves. And women are just like, no, we're just going to get this. The only time we talk about it is in a very small circle when we know there's no microphones or nothing. We checked already. No, no, no. We're not going to hear anything. You got to be careful. No, there's like that one lady in history that like everybody would go to when they needed like a husband taken care of. And you just go to that one little hut. You know, you get what you need. And then you just go. But we don't talk about it. You know, it's just like slide your card underneath my hand. <laughs> Go here. That was like a past hand. It's a beauty remedy. Beauty you know, remedy. Yeah, you have cramps. Go here. That's <laughs> <laughs> hide it underneath that. Somebody has a comma going on. Bring it to that. That's right. <laughs> so we talked about behind the camera. Let's get into in front of the camera. Those of you who are actresses and have acted before. Taking all this into account, what do you look for? When you get a script, what is it that you look for in it that will say, I want to do this, or no fucking way am I doing this? And I don't even mean surface level, like, no, there's too much nudity, or there's too much this, just in general, what is it that you look for in a script? Um, I look for something that either makes me want to cry or makes me want to vomit. <laughs> that's, my, that's my main criteria. Um, a combination of the both is great, where you don't know whether you want to cry or vomit. Um, seriously, though. At the same time? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, or something that, like, really gives me chills. Like, those are, that's, that's what I look for. Or, like, especially, um with like a killer type of film if the if the female antagonist is like ripping out hearts and slitting throats and mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of special effects involved like then that always gets me too and it can be a little bit lighter where i'm like okay this didn't make me feel as much but this character is awesome i have <laughs> so. to agree i look for characters that have some kind of a depth something that makes them interesting to me but to go also to the surface level, because I can be surface level, I really like to know if I'm going to die, mm -hmm. am I going to die gruesomely? Yeah. Can I get slaughtered gruesomely or can I slaughter someone gruesomely? That's, mm -hmm. that's my surface level because that's just the, <laughs> okay, fun. this is too much fun. Yeah. I, does, does the I, length of your survival have any impact on it? Not like if, if you're killed no. off in the first five oh, minutes. I don't want to be killed off in the first five minutes. Okay. I don't want a glorious death. If it's a glorious death. It's a glorious death. I don't mind being killed off in the first five minutes. So when you're looking at the script, taking that into account as well, when it goes to something, you're looking at that those scripts where you're like, I don't know about this. But then you find out something we we experienced. We did a scene. We had the typical babysitter scene. 
and it was the babysitter boyfriend comes over, and they had an intimate scene together. She was a little apprehensive until, because it's me and my other friend, we are the two cameramen, and then she realized my producer is a woman. The makeup artist for the day is my cameraman's girlfriend. Now she's more comfortable. It's not two guys, camera. It also helped that the this. other actor was so gay. So. That, and then the, that was the next step. The other actor in the scene is gay. So basically she's sitting in a room with a gay, with a gay actor and two couples. Now she's comfortable. Is that the sort of thing you take into account as well? Does the crew, the director, how many men versus women in those more uncomfortable type scenes matter? Um, yes, and I guess yes and no. I mean, one scene in particular, and it was the only scene I'm in in the film, I am essentially naked, I am tied up, and I am... Ducky's laughing over here because he remembers this. <laughs> I am being pretty much filleted. Absolutely filleted. And I didn't mind because Ducky was there as stunt coordinator. Shiva was there and covered me in massive quantities of blood. Although I will admit, Ducky walked away and the, the, after the actor, the actor basically was complete, the script went running down the highway somewhere about, three, about two minutes into the scene. He was just screaming and making crazy animal noises and just flailing at me. And at some point he finished the screaming and the flailing. The sound guy and the camera guy walked out of the room and I'm still, I mean, I'm holding myself up. I can get myself down at any point in time. Sweetie, I'm like, I can tell you why everybody left because I did too. It's because we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and I finally, I finally stepped down off the box and stuck my head out around the, because it was in a stall in a oh, barn God. around the door and I'm like, Am I am I caught? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best outtake moment ever. That's like, hilarious. Like at the very end of the Oh yeah. But yeah, it's horrible. They're having people that you know and trust on the set do, does make you feel a lot more comfortable when you're doing a scene that is usually a nude scene or a rape scene or any kind of a scene like that. There has to be a comfort level that you know that there's people there that you trust. But. It's, I'm laughing so hard because uh, oh, the one and only time I've, I've acted, well, I mean, I guess one of the very few times mm -hmm. I've acted, uh, was for our very first film ever. And it's literally like us at, you know, it, I think you were 22, I was 19, and our friend was 16. Four. You know, oh, four of us and her, four guys and her. And me. And we decided we're going to go shoot something in the basement. And they're going to torture me, essentially, so I'm tied to a chair. And, of course, this is our first film ever, so we don't understand how anything works. So we get actual duct tape, put that over my mouth. <laughs> we get actual handcuffs from our friend who is an auxiliary police officer. And they literally put it, my arms, between the, the chair and use the actual handcuffs. And then they get the duct tape and they wrap my legs around. <laughs> so I'm, little, I'm now stuck to this chair. And and I'm literally real duct tape, so there. I mean, there's I, there's no give to this at all. And uh, so they torture me. They do the whole scene. They they dump freezing cold water over me. And the the ending is that they're gonna um you know viscerate me. So I have a Ziploc bag because again we have no idea what we're doing. First one, and we think. Here's a retractable knife. Let's tape a you know, razor blade to the back of this thing. And I'll cut the bag perfectly. And then I'm going to pull all of these chicken gizzards and raw meat out of, out of this, this bag. What could go wrong with this? But wait, there's more. Kimasabi over here, as I like to call him, puts his hand like this on the bag to hold it in place, gets the razor blade, runs it down the length of his hand, slicing his hand open. Reaches, like a trooper, reaches into the bag of raw meat, yes. pulls it out, finishes the scene, Salmon calls cut, oh, I'm going upstairs. He runs for his life upstairs to now wash the salmonella out of this gigantic wound. Oh and our three friends who were in the scene with me go, huh, let's go have a smoke. <laughs> Off they go. They literally leave me in the basement, tied to this chair, covered in water, covered in fake blood. For 20 minutes with my boyfriend upstairs, bleeding to death from a razor wound. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I have learned from that experience. She kept the camera rolling. Yeah, seriously. That was the real way that the camera was cut because literally I was still like, mm, mm, you know, because there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing. And, and on I top of that, this, this was December. the week after Christmas. Yeah. So it's about 20 degrees in the basement. <laughs> oh, 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 man. So I learned set safety <laughs> and respect <laughs> very quickly. And when my actors get on my set and they are going through anything, anything at all like that, I am very clear that they will be safe, that we will be with them the and entire time. We will not use real duct tape. Do not use real handcuffs. Off, by the way? Who pulled the duct tape off? When I came back down. He did. When he oh, came yeah, back it, down. Was it a fast pull? After, like a no, no. After washing my hand and bandaging it up, I came down, and she's still in the chair. Still in the chair. <laughs> and nobody was murdered afterwards? I have stopped bleeding, and she's still in the chair. So, yeah, it's it was just a flesh wound. <laughs> yes. and, I, and I still work with one of them somehow. Aww, see, that's a true bird. <laughs> but he was, and you still have your lips still on still your face? I still have my lips, everything. I don't think I'll ever need to wax in my lifetime. Never again. I've got duct tape finished every time. <laughs> Can't grow hair anymore. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward, <laughs> unless you have anything else. No. To I mean, I could add, but I've mean, got stories. But, you know. I'm sorry, war stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angie's like, right. hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> Women of War Two coming later. <laughs> After beverages. Buy a drink. It only gets That's better from here. Yes. <laughs> so this festival has been going on for a while. Last year, though, was the first mm -hmm. Women in Horror panel. And it was the most attended panel of the weekend, which Woo! is amazing, you know, and this is pretty damn close, too. <laughs> um, There's 4,000 people yeah, in this room. Like, like, yeah, it's pretty loud, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? 4,000 people. <laughs> uh, but there was one moment during the, during the panel where they asked, seven, seven women on the panel last year, and they asked, who is your favorite female director? And there was a moment of silence. And sitting in the audience, this exemplified the problem to me. There are seven female filmmakers sitting on stage, and not one of them could think of a female director who inspired them. We, we did. Eventually. 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 It took us a very awkward but couple of minutes or anybody so. Anybody in this room, who's your favorite director? All men. All men. All immediately had a man pop up in your head. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that you like male directors. That's fine. The problem is that there's just not enough women. Okay? So, who are your favorite females? I always fuck up her first name, but uh, she's normally a cinematographer, but she's moving into directing, which is... Uh, I think it's Morna Reed. She she did. I'm, I'm, her first name's wrong. I know it. Uh, she just was cinematographer on uh, Mudbound, but she was uh, showrunner and director on um, uh, Handmaiden's Tale, which I haven't seen yet, but I need to see it. But the fact that she's making that leap, that change, is actually really cool because that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. More silence. <laughs> Oh, I, was I, just really, I messed I up last I, year. I was going to sit here and change. I, 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 I was, I was going to say Jodie Foster, but I don't know if that counts as horror. It um, doesn't. No, I was going to say female horror. Because female horror directors are even fewer and far between. Yeah. Because it's we were talking about this on the car on the way in that most women direct one or two horror films and then they do other things. It's very rare to find a. I don't, I don't think there's a I single can't think of a one master horror. of horror, female master of horror. Yeah, like, to the point of, like, when you have a show called Masters of Horror, what female would you call? True. That's what would you call? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, um... So she, normally she just does Broadway shows, but she's done a couple films. Uh, she did Titus, Andronicus, uh, um... Oh! White. White? Oh, God. I think. I'm trying to think what I her last name is. Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor. Yeah. Julie Taymor. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was gonna say it's really only been the past like three years that I've even seen prominent women like going to the convention. Mm -hmm. Like this is wonderful. Yeah. But having like the, the Saska sisters, I think mm -hmm. that's the first mm -hmm. group of girls that were like, oh, they do just horror. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, that's it. It's just starting to come to the forefront. Like, no, there are people that just do this and love this, and it's really just a few the past two years that I'm starting to see. 
names come out. It's interesting. Um, I, I getting ready for Women in Horror Month, um, so I was trying to challenge myself um, on Instagram because I usually do a Women in Horror Month Instagram challenge where I post another Women in Horror every day, every day of the month. Um, so to get ready for it, I started looking for uh, female directors that I could just do, you know, on Women Crush Wednesday, and um, I had to go back to the 1920s to find like real women who had like 30 films under their belt. Wow. And, um, you know, you get black and white photos of them, and there's, I mean, there's literally one that has, was credited with over 300 screenplays. I can't even think of a woman now who has written <laughs> 300 screenplays. I mean... Do you think it's actually partially because, like, right now that we don't have a lot of those names popping in our head? Is it possibly because of how hard it is to be a woman in horror to deal with all those, like... Every one of you has said you had some kind of problem trying to get your films made, all the problems trying to go through with it. It's like ripping your teeth out, ripping your hair out, just dealing with the constant abuse almost of, you know, the non-equality and all that. Do you think it's possibly part of that whole issue why we don't have enough names, almost that it's kind of getting stomped down in a way where you have so many problems hitting your head in the horror field instead of like... You might think of women who have done romance movies, and there might be a better name, but because it's horror, is it possibly, because it's such a male-centric, dominated, almost egotistical in a way, possibly, could that partially be part of the issue why you don't have a woman director who's done 30 horror films or whatever? Because by the time you all finish one, like you said, you had half your production team walked out. Like, when you have those moments, that kills some part of inside of you that at least in my opinion, it would have to, versus men who don't have that issue. I mean, you don't hear a guy going, oh, you know, and the woman said, hold on, i got to go ask another woman. I mean, you don't hear <laughs> that stuff. That has to kill your soul, pur purpose, no. and passion in a way. I to feel have all like... that kind of hit you in the head versus... I feel like we multitask. So, mm -hmm. like... I don't know, that we get bored and we just directed one film and then we want to act in another film or we want to produce or we want to do a play. or I feel like that goes, that's one of the factors. We want to do oh. a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah, and we're don't good at, at them all. Yeah, exactly. Don't trap me in a box. I, yeah. I but but the thing is, there. the part where you're hitting your head on the ceiling there is like, I mean, I think we're all aware of the fact that the entertainment industry is not a monolithic liberal kind of thing. I think we're all aware of that, right? Yeah. Okay. What? But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, like, when you talk entertainment, most people are just immediately going to identify the liberal and start going, okay, you know, so respect for women, doing stuff. But, hey, what, what, does the belt go with this? Is, you know, it's yeah. instead go to the guy. But why is it that, that that's so predominant, though? Because you keep hearing these stories I, again and again and again all through the levels. I think it's sort of like, you know, to answer one question and then the other. You know, I think it's... Um, yeah, I think a woman can get a horror movie. You know, we've seen Mary Hare and Mary Lambert, I mean, best-known ones, mm -hmm. um, who got, you know, a horror movie in, and in pretty classic ones, too. Um, but I think then when it comes to, you know, most directors are like, fine, I'm going to make one or two films that are going to get my name made, that are going to be more, you know, um, you know, commercial. That's, and, and I, I think, think that when you get to the, oh, your third okay. film, you want to make something that's of your voice. And I think maybe that's where behind the scenes, okay. women are losing out because they want to finally make a film that's in their voice and they just can't find the investors or they just can't find somebody to back it to the oh. same level that they've been at. And I think that's that is part of the yeah. that is part of the problem because if you want to make a name for yourself, it's it almost seems like you have to do the traditional popular. This is what people want to watch. Do what do what people want to watch. Which again, like I'd said earlier, as soon as they say, "Oh, you're a filmmaker. What do you do? What kind of films do you do you produce?" And I say horror films, and then the Oh, the wall phone? goes up. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, the wall goes up immediately. And I think for many of us working in the horror industry, we don't particularly want to go do a romance or do a documentary mm -hmm. or go do something that isn't a passion project. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the being passionate. Mm -hmm. We're passionate about this industry, so we're staying in this industry, but it's, it makes it a slower, longer, harder road 
-hmm. to get anywhere because we're not following the this is the step that you follow, you do this first, then you do this, then you do this to get there. I mean, I think my other thing, and I, you know, I've thought about this a bit, and we've talked about this a lot. Um, my curiosity would also be if it's a financial, because women do not get paid the same amount that men do. No, not um, at all. <laughs> not even close. Like, we, who was it got paid 300 times more? Yeah, than Mark Wahlberg got yeah. paid yeah. $1.5 yeah. for his reshoots mm -hmm. and all the money, and uh, Michelle Woman's got paid $1,000. $1,000. Now, I don't know how many days, like, it is disparity <laughs> of days, but even if she had one day of filming and he had eight of the ten days filming, <laughs> she should get paid more than a thousand dollars and him get paid like he would only do, do it for 1.5 million dollars like screw you buddy like you're not like i'm sorry I, i'm not gonna go see that movie from mark Wahlberg. actually every single time i see the poster and he has glasses on and laugh <laughs> um i do think it's a money thing because statistically anybody who makes a feature only about 10 percent make a second feature mm -hmm. so you think about the fact that like i'm struggling with that i'm trying to get like i shot a really bad feature that was shown once <laughs> like really long time ago and I'm trying to get another one done and it's very difficult so if you think about the fact that it's already hard for anybody to get money to get all the logistics in place to do something and then you add that well you're a woman and not and then you have the aspect of not everybody's gonna take you seriously I think that's one of the things that is not even genre to you know dependent that like women are just not gonna see that second movie even if they have the skill and the passion and the drive because... Oh, it's even worse if they make a yeah. bad movie. I think women... Yeah, you, men, yeah you're, oh, you're screwed. You, you get one. Yeah, okay, yeah, it happens. I think men get Let's ten. Give you another one. I think they get ten <laughs> women. It's like if you mess up once, you are done. Like, that's it. That's... See, you've proven yourself to be a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We already knew it. Yeah. That, that one yeah. was a fluke. Yeah. And that, We're never doing it. this again. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's the scary... And I think that's a lot of the fear, you know, where it's like when you are a woman in horror, like, I, I don't see myself anytime I mean I say that last year I said I don't see myself making a feature film anytime soon um, but I feel like the more I kind of sit with a short film and the more I kind of sit in this industry and the more like now it's just like now I just kind of want I want to make a feature um, but I feel like it is some partial because a lot of times when you watch the trajectory of a female director they'll get you know one movie maybe two and then all of a sudden they start they go off to TV yeah. And women do very well in TV. They really mm -hmm. do. They do better in TV than, you know, much better than film. But I wonder if it's partially that, like, because they didn't get paid what a male would have been paid on those first few features, they don't have the finances to tr sit and really work on that passion project. And so then they take the steady work of television, and then by that point, it's just like you're in that steady... It's work. It's yeah. your work. <laughs> you know? And then you're still trying to make those connections, still trying to, you know raise it but then now all of a sudden you're well you're a television director why do you want to leave television you know yeah. i I'm, I'm curious i i think the more i kind of sit and watch the industry and kind of stick my toe in i'm beginning to think that that's my new working theory i don't know makes sense yeah, yeah. i think it makes sense cool. sorry that just Anybody was anything to add? Yeah. that, that was death <laughs> <laughs> death <Awesome>. to dreams <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so starting to running out of time soon mm -hmm. Uh, skip a couple questions. Considering considering the past of women in horror, things. What do you want to do? What would you like to see more of in the future? Those tropes that we talked about, the different roles that women play in movies. What do you want to see more of? Well, I definitely want to see, like you said, more more female killers. Yeah, yes. I think that's just so much more interesting because mm -hmm. there's a lot you can do that with that. You can twist that on the audience, which mm -hmm. has been done, but not enough. Um, it's just kind of cool to see, because it is, you know, it, it is an empowering thing, even though it's, it's a vicious, awful thing, it's still like, oh, look, at that woman, kill a bunch of people, that's, <laughs> all that aggression that you can't take out in reality, she gets to on the film. <laughs> Why do you think that there's so little female killers? I think because, uh, well, one, the, um, a lot of male directors, a lot of male writers, they're going to write what they know, they're going to write a dude. Okay. Um, I think it's a, a huge part of it, and... Don't you just want to have babies? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it, like, think about the, some of the controversy with uh, Wonder Woman, where guys were flipping out 
that like you know oh this movie's doing well or even like Star Wars where they're like oh what the hell there's now everything's getting passed to a woman yeah how dare yeah, they how dare they yeah. people say that in the theater I like I actually I had I had a good that. screening I was I was so, when I got out of that screening I was so surprised to see. <laughs> and hear the incentive like there was clapping and cheering I got lucky and did not get into one of those very visceral mm. hate filled things but yeah like there is definitely obviously there's a culture right now um, where all those little like hidden thoughts yeah. of really awful things including misogyny is just like hey let's have it out in the let's open, just have it out the open. And be let's total just dickheads yeah. uh, which I guess is kind of good because we can identify um, <laughs> But I think that that's, that's just kind of a, a, the, big, the big issue is that right now there's not enough women or trans people or just any kind of diversity in Hollywood. And in, I think, I mean, obviously a lot more independent, but, um, and so because those voices aren't there, you know, it's, there's not going to be as many, like, female antagonists yeah. because they're going to write a guy because that's what, they're a guy. I would like to see more female killers, but I'd like to see one who's just a pure sociopath, not yeah, like, yes. not a crazy, yeah, not an issue, not yeah, no yeah. daddy oh, my issues. Son died, yeah. so I have to kill people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got picked on for, in school, so I have to kill somebody. I'd like to see a very strong killer that it is just simply psychological meltdown, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no rhyme or reason behind it, because those are the scariest people to me. You can't, yeah. you know, assign them a reason to, and I would just love to see a, a you know, really strong female. Yeah, pulling awesome. that off. Really, we, yeah. We've had male ones in movies where it's just mm -hmm. pure bad shit. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had really a woman without, like you said, the, the wah-wahs of a reasoning, which maybe is just my throwing out there, but it could be partially why we don't have enough women killers in movie is because the same thing going back to how many women get caught versus how many men killers mm -hmm. there are in, well, <laughs> in the general scheme. So we don't even really, as a society, maybe think about wanting to that pretty face could kill you while you're standing there. They don't. Yeah, really it just like that kind, kind of, of it always kind of gets me because whenever I do see females in in the horror movies as the you know antagonist or whatnot, there's always got to be a reason for it, and I almost feel yeah. like that's is that the only reason why you put a woman in there is the only way you could accept it is if she had a reason that everybody could identify with. I think that it couldn't be it. like the Joker yeah. and Batman where he's just batshit. And just that's bad. It. I, I think that we just don't have any reference for it because I mean I've been working on that script since I since I was. I don't even know, 16, 17 years old, killer woman, you know, but I think it's like, because we have no point of reference, it's almost like, I, I don't even know how to write that, because I haven't seen, like, a that many women killers to make it, like, the opposite of, Without if that makes any sense. So yeah. Where we don't yeah. have that, in, you know, a male killer, we don't really have this awful backstory of, oh, poor him, it's very much often just... And yet, women have been diagnosed as sociopaths. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Women, there is not a, there's not a rule that says only men can be sociopaths. No, you're so, just going through that time in the mom. Well, like, there's no, like... <laughs> abused as a child, and you became... People are... Sociopaths are, are born. Mm -hmm. And they are born female, they are born male. Oh, I think... <laughs> Whatever they want. Whatever the hell they want. <laughs> that and the other, not just the sociopath character, but what about the profiteer? The woman who is yeah. killing because, and doing evil things because of personal gain, because she wants it, and she wants to take it. Which is what you often see a male killer who is either the hitman or the killer who is killing for, for some sort of personal gain, and it's always a man. I would like to see a woman who is killing for personal gain. And there have been in history. Um, mm -hmm. Lady Bathory, yep. for example, mm -hmm. is the perfect example. So we need, I would like to see more of that kind of killer. Well, it's interesting. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen Mindhunter, and if you haven't, please go see Mindhunter. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But what they're finding now is the FBI um, profiling behavioral science that's what I was looking for, the behavioral <laughs> science team. Um, what they're finding now and what they're starting to be concerned about is that this profile that they have for each different kind of serial killer is only based on men. Mm -hmm. So they're beginning to now wonder to themselves whether 
they could they mm -hmm. fucked up. And if these same things apply to a woman serial killer, and how many serial killers that are women that they may have missed because they just don't they have that science broken and down. And how many unsolved serial yes. killings there have been yeah. in our history, we go back to the unsolved thing. There are a number of unsolved serial killers in history. How many of them could have possibly been women and never would have been solved because nobody was thinking to look for a woman. Like the Zodiac Killer. Who knows? That yeah. could have been a woman. That would have been great. Oh, let's make that movie. I want to watch that one. I want to make that movie. Well, okay. I want to make that movie. Can I just watch it happen? Because the female Zodiac Killer would be epic. And every writer in the room writes yeah. 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 No, wait. Okay. Even Zodiac Killer was a woman. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah? fine. Female Zodiac Killer 2. Actually, ah, true. We actually did shoot that. That's <laughs> right. For, for a music video, first possible. We had a tip oh, really? actually mm. He, he played the Zodiac Killer in the video, and through the course of the video, you at the end you realize it was her the whole time. That's awesome. And he's just her alter ego in her head. She's what a little eleven-year-old. What if what if Jack the Ripper were actually a woman? That would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, that's been <laughs> talked about that's, too. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting because the because the because he actually took the uh, the womb in the in the yeah. ovaries. Yeah. And yes. That's and almost that, like that what is be, that? Like I read a whole article about that recently. Depression, by the way, if you yeah. think about it. That could be menopause right there. Yeah, but you, I mean, in that whole type of mindset, they would technically, if it got to such a breaking psychosis point, you could see somebody who lost a child, who gave birth to a dead baby during those time periods, mm -hmm. cutting that whole thing out because theirs didn't work. And that whole, so it would make sense. Mm -hmm. No wonder you didn't know no, no one would have looked for a woman. I mean, Jack. No one would have noticed it could a have been woman. Jacqueline. <gasps> Jackie. <laughs> well, even beyond that, um, like, by the way, one of the films okay. you're going to be seeing today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, good. See, I am a second. All right. I'm going to be catching this weekend. I can't give you lottery so, numbers. I swear. Shh. It's oh, wait, a great is, that, film, is that Creatures of White Castle? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. White yeah. Chapel. Sorry, White Chapel. Yeah. White Castle. I was like, White Castle? <laughs> 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 I am so old. <laughs> 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 I am so old. I am so old. I am so old. I am so we got to wrap this up. Wait, wait, I have a quick two-word answer. Uh-huh. More women creatures. That's it. Well, also, female creatures. Where, where is, like, a female Jason or Mike Myers? Just the straight-up, yeah. like, yeah. Butcher. yeah, just unstoppable murder machine. Where's that? Coming 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Women in horror <laughs> uh, So, ladies, go down the line and tell us, you all have films this weekend? What films are they? What did you do in it? And when can we see it? I have a uh, film showing tonight at 10 o'clock, um, Devil's Cut. Phil Crawl uh, is the director, writer, cinematographer of that. Um, I, am a I acted in that. Um, I had a film show uh, earlier, The Sin Reapers, um, which is also going to be showing at Sunday, and I don't know my schedule on this. So I'll get it. Get it. <laughs> but, yeah. Sunday. So those are the two films I have here in the show. Oh, and someone's going to be roasting me tonight at midnight, so yeah. you guys got to experience that as well. Okay, yeah, 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 if it's a horror it's thing, delicious. is it literal or is it... I don't know. Listen, I have yet to find out. I'm, I'm just going to bring a stick of marshmallow. Lindsay's <laughs> hungry, though, and so am I, honestly, so am. Um, I'm... My, I have a short film, uh, Beneath, that I wrote and directed. Yay. It is playing tomorrow at 1.25 and again Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, I have a room in Cairo, which screened earlier today. It'll screen again on Sunday at 3.45. Uh, we have family, uh, The Family Way Coming Home. It's just listed as Coming Home. I was a producer and an actor in that. And it is screening Saturday and Sunday. Ducky, like do you know? 3.45 on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, like after. <laughs> after shortly after, after, shortly after uh, lunch. Did you schedule okay. circle the names, everybody? Yeah. And Shiva uh, was the... I, I was the director and Ducky and I co-wrote it. So it's... 12.15 on Sunday. 3.45 yeah. and 12.15. <laughs> yeah, and, and just quick, quick little side I was the only note one that was coming prepared. home. Is that it is actually a prequel to, or not really a prequel, prologue. but a prologue. prologue. It's a prologue to a feature that we're trying very desperately to raise money for. To get investors for, so, for, so, so we love come that, right? Okay. Come see it and love it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for coming to the Women in Horror Thing. Yeah.
In closing, you only need to take a look at the current headlines to figure out that there are problems in Hollywood and the film and television industry. From unfair pay, unequal opportunities, and even sexual harassment and assault. Neither I nor any of these women are asking for special treatment. We are only asking to be treated fairly and respectfully. We want a safe environment to create our art just like everybody else. For too long, women have been patient, convincing ourselves that we are paying our dues while we are actually being ignored or silenced. It is time for us to step into the light and be seen, whether it's with the hashtag MeToo movement, Female Filmmaker Friday, or Women in Horror Month. Women in the industry need to be seen to inspire the next generation and to silence the gatekeepers when they claim that women don't want to direct or that women don't want to make horror. For the fans who are tired of this remake train, who are sick of seeing the same movies again and again, if you want different stories, you need different filmmakers. So what can you do to help this Women in Horror Month? No donation needed. Just share your favorite woman in horror. Doesn't have to be indie or even a filmmaker. Talk about your favorite actress, author, or artist. Use the hashtag WIHM9 or WIHM and be part of the conversation. Thank you and happy Women in Horror Month.